This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Oh man, coming into this weekend, I've been thinking about just 10 years ago. There's something that happened a little over 10 years ago nobody in this room knows about except only me, my wife, my mom and dad, and my sister. I don't know if you grew up in a family that played board games. I did not. My attention span does not last long enough to play most board games. I need a game to be over in about five minutes. Okay, not five hours. My wife grew up playing Monopoly. If you play Monopoly, I don't understand you as a person. Okay, a short game of Monopoly is like third or three or four hours long. That's a short game. And so about 10 years ago, my wife came in one day. It's like, Kevin, there's a new version of Monopoly. It's a credit card version. You just use a credit card. You don't have to exchange money, nothing. And then all of a sudden, the game is short. I don't know what's a short game of Monopoly, like two hours long. That's way too long for me anyway. So she asked for it for Christmas. My parents obliged and got it for her. So we're there Christmas, spend time with my mom and dad. And now my sister and her, of course, me into playing the game of Monopoly. I don't even know the rules. I just know you go around the circle, you get money. That's all I know, okay? Pass go, get, give, me my, give me my money. That's all I know. So I'm passing go, and I'm super excited. I'm loving the game. I'm making all this money. My account is growing, and it's growing, and it's growing. And then all of a sudden, I start laying on these squares, and I have to pay my wife money. Like, what is this? What kind of socialist thing are you doing over here? Doesn't even make sense. And before long, all the money I thought I'd amassed, I had none of it left. And I was so mad, and I did something. I just want to warn you, if you ever do this, you will never live it down. I flipped the board up. I'm done. I'm done. I'm not playing this game ever again. I will tell you, if you flip the board game over on your wife, you will never live that down for the rest of your life. But learn something in that moment, that you can't win if you don't know how to play the game. You can't win if you don't know how to play the game. This is true in life. This is true in Monopoly. It's true in other things. It's true in pickleball. You ever played pickleball? Pickleball is the fastest growing sport in the nation. There are whole tennis clubs that have converted to just pickleball. Pickleball is kind of like you took ping pong and tennis and combined it in one game. It's like life-size ping pong. And I have a friend who's really gotten into this. They live in upstate New York. I heard him tell a story not too long ago. They were playing him and his brother playing on the team. He's like, we're not very good. He's... Kind of like me, I used to be athletic years ago. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> it's like, you know, I played ping pong, and so I thought the, sh- the, 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 the court is shorter. I'm not going to run as much. I can play this pickleball thing. So we got to start playing pickleball. It's like, you know, sometimes like we hit each other so hard with that ball, it just hurts, you know, because it's so close. And so they were playing him and his brother on a team, and they're playing somebody else that they know. He's a pastor. They're from his church. Now he knows the guy owns the club. And so they finish up their game. They're about to leave, and he comes up, Nate, hey, you see those old ladies? He's like, I saw those old ladies. They've been doing these cute little drills. I looked at him one time and just said, bless your heart. You know, just, you know, that's in the South. We say that if we're trying to make fun of you and sound nice. Bless your heart. 
And so bless your heart. And he's like, he came up and was like, you see those old ladies? They've been here all morning. Nobody want to play them. Would you and your brother play those old ladies? He's like, I thought in the back of my mind, we're going to kill those women. Like literally, I'm going to hit them so hard they're going to fall over dead. That's what's going to happen. And so he's like, we, I was sitting there thinking there's no way we can play. He goes, listen, don't worry about it. They know what they're doing. They'll be fine. Just play them. He said, he said man, we played them for seven games. In seven games, we scored a total of four points. Those ladies wiped the court with us. Why? Because they knew how to play the game. Ten years ago, we were praying, preparing, believing to launch this church. It's ten years and two days, September the 9th, 2012. We started Vortex Church ten years ago. And when we did, we knew some of the how. How do you play the game? We knew that we wanted to invite people to make Jesus the center of their lives because I'd seen people wreck their lives by making other good things the center. Their their marriage, friends, their kids. And I knew that the only way we can live and follow Jesus is when Jesus is the center of everything. He's the center of my marriage. He's the center of my family. He's the center of my career. He's the center of my finances. We knew that we wanted their church experience to be loving and life-giving. We wanted people to leave these moments feeling built up, not beat down. Feeling like we wanted something for them, not from them. We wanted to grow leaders And empower the next generation. Connect people to redemptive community. Just thinking about the next generation. If you were here last week. Students leading worship. Kids up up here leading worship. uh, Young emerging leaders speaking. It was on display. Thank God for it. And I remember the very first conversation with my wife when... We were sure that God had called us back to Stanley County to plant a life-giving church. I asked this question, what do you you want it to be like? And this was her answer. We wanted this church to make sense to people where they're at. We'd both been a part of churches that required too much of of explanation to people when they came in. You know what? Well, they're, they're, they're running around because they're excited about Jesus. Um, those, those, <laughs> those old ladies are, are whistling because 30 years ago, that was awesome in church. Too much. Ex- we wanted, if you were a long-term believer in Jesus Christ, we wanted this church to meet you and challenge you where you're at. But if you're new to the faith, we wanted it to make sense to you where you're at. And it's been amazing. 10 years, that's 520 Sundays. It's hard to believe that over 125 sermon series, as you watch those videos and think about, I'm like, I don't, I'm pretty sure I preached that series. I don't even remember it. (laughs) For me personally, in 10 years, over 475 unique messages, which totals to over 17,000 minutes of speaking. And somehow, in all of that, I hadn't said something so stupid to get myself fired yet. 
It's been amazing. In 10 years, the total attendance, every person that's walked through the doors and out has been 1,600, 162,635. Every number there is the person that's been on site that we've had the opportunity to love and to encourage which comes up over 10 years to an average of around 313 per people. Now, that's not counting 22 weeks that we weren't in person. Like, that's in the mix, okay? The Sundays that we took off for uh, storms or flooding or ice, it's amazing. In a community where the average size church is around 85, there are very few churches that grow above 150. To think that in the span of 10 years... Our average attendance would be more than double that. It's remarkable. And those are all wonderful things to share. I believe that, okay? Those are wonderful. But the next two numbers I'm about to share are what really excites me. The first one is this, that in 10 years, we've given over $470,000 away in missions. In a community where according to the 2020 census, the per capita, average per capita income in Stanley County is under $25,000 a year. Half a million dollars to plant churches, to feed kids, to care for families, to be there for women when they find out that they're pregnant and they don't know what to do. You've done that. We've done that together. But here's the number that I, 10 years ago, I could not have wrapped my mind around this. In the past 10 years, yeses, this is not our guess. This is people who have checked this on a connection card. 1,273 people have said yes to Jesus at Vortex Church. Hard. I'm going to say this in faith. That when we get to 20 years, we're going to have given away $2 million. $2 million to missions. 20 years. It's not going to be $1,200. we are going to be looking at over, over 5,000 that have given their lives to Jesus. God's not done. You know, we, we knew some of the how. We knew some of the rules. But the truth is, you... You don't know what you don't know. Y'all ever had a kid and thought you knew how to raise a kid and then you had a kid and they taught you you didn't know how to raise a kid, right? We've all been there, right? If you've got kids, you've been there. There was stuff we didn't know. We didn't know that in 10 years we'd have led or be leading through two massive economic disruptions. 2013, 2014, recession. And then right now, the recession, post-pandemic economic reaction, it's tough. We didn't know that people would love us because we're different and then leave us because we're different. People would show up so invested in us. Love you. You're the best thing. And then two years, just ghost. Bye-bye. You don't know how hard that is to navigate emotionally. It's tough. It's tough. We didn't realize how high it could be 
and how low it could get. The highs were so high, but the lows were so low. There were times that we were fighting through seasons of depression and anxiety and attack. And we would work so hard just to get to this moment to be life-giving, to come into a space like this, not bearing those burdens, not sharing those. The highs have been highs, but the lows have been lows. We, we didn't know that the cultural climate would become so divisive and people would get so mean. It has been remarkable what people have felt like they could say behind the comfort of a screen and a keyboard to somebody that they would never have the guts to say that to them face to face. That it would be so divisive that if you're on this, you got to be against them. If you're this, you got to be against them. Where you can't say anything without making somebody mad. We didn't realize the personal cost that would come with taking ground from the enemy. My wife shared last week that the last five years for her have been physical injury and emotional battles. For me, there have been deep seasons to walk through. Undiagnosed physical conditions that specialist after specialist, scan after scan, blood draw after blood draw have left every doctor puzzled. I see another one tomorrow. We didn't know that the global church would become a target. Ten years ago when we started, you're struggling in your marriage and you go to church. You're not, you're not doing well, go to church. Right? Lost your job, go to church. But over the last ten years, the, the cultural attitude about church has shifted and the, this narrative makes it, it feel like the church is failing. But the church isn't failing. It's a lie. The church is actually winning. I couldn't do this today without sharing. This is just simply data, okay? Simply data-driven observations. Culture. What's the narrative? The church is emotionally repressive. It's going to cause you to deny and denounce and not deal with the real deep stuff. But here's the data. Those who attend church consistently have better mental health. As a matter of fact, 2020, the only people who walked out of that year having better mental health than when they walked into it were those who consistently attended church. The cultural narrative on the church is that it's sexually repressive. Not going to let you live out your greatest desires. But here's the data. The church and people who attend the church consistently have the most satisfying sex lives out of all data points. Culture. 
All the church cares about is power. They don't care about the poor. The data shows that those who attend church consistently are exponentially more generous than those who don't. Culture. The church oppresses women. The patriarchy historically denies women power and authority. Here's the truth. Data shows that women who consistently attend church have better relationships and are 50% less likely than those who don't to experience domestic violence. Culture. The church only cares about unborn babies. The data shows that those who attend church adopt those who have been born into troubled situations at a higher rate than anybody else in the world. Higher church attendance in a community correlates to lower rates of burglary, assault, and homicide. If you're a parent, listen to what I'm about to say. Church attendance significantly correlated to reduced incidence of depression, substance abuse, and sexual promiscuity in adolescence. Couples who regularly attend church together are 35% less likely to divorce, and regular church attendance literally correlates to a longer life expectancy and seven years in some studies. What we're doing here matters. It matters. And not just for those correlating data points. What we're doing here matters to eternity. There are 1,200 people who said yes to Jesus that were going to hell, that are now going to heaven. That is eternal difference right here happening in this house. And we knew some of the rules of the game. But you can't win if you're playing the wrong game by the wrong rules. Sometimes when people show up to church, they show up with an expectation, this is the rules that I'm going to play with. And then they encounter the reality of this is what the real rules are. And it goes from being, I love you because you're different. I'm going to leave you because you're different. So I thought it would help today. If I went back to just where we were 10 years ago and revisited the rules that we knew 10 years ago. Rule number one is I'm not your hero. I'm not. If you're here because somebody told you, you need to come to Vortex Church. Kevin is awesome. He's the best person that ever lived. They were lying. I'm not the best person that ever lived. The truth is, I'm dramatically flawed. I'm often selfish. And I personally need Jesus every single day. When we started our church 10 years ago, I would say behind the scenes over and over and over again, I want people in our community to know the name of our church. I don't care if they know my name. It's not about me. Because if you're looking for a flaw in me, If you're looking for me to do something wrong, I've got plenty for you to find. Just give me time. I've got plenty. But I don't stand up here on my own authority. Because I made that decision 10 years ago, I've never stood up here and told you how I got it right. I'm not the example Jesus is. I stand up here in the name of Jesus and under his authority. 
About 12 years ago, Jesus invited me into this journey. And he gave me this opportunity. And I've learned something that's so important in the last 10 years. I cannot earn what only Jesus can give. I can't. Influence and authority are gifts. They're gifts from the heart of God. Rule number one, I'm not your hero. Rule number two, we're not the perfect church. We're not. You might have been here for a few months thinking, God, this is the perfect church. Sorry. No, we're not the perfect church. We, we believe this so much early on that we actually made T-shirts that said, no perfect people allowed. But I need to confess something to you. That in some ways, in some seasons, we've worn that as a mantra. We haven't accepted it as a calling. truth is we've made mistakes along the way. We've missed the mark. There are things that we should have done and could have done that we didn't do. I remember early on, year two or three, there was a young couple that was attending our church and something happened in their life. And I found out that they were kind of upset that we didn't know about it and we weren't there. And the truth is, is that our church is large enough that if something happens in your life, we don't know unless you reach out to us. And so we talked to them and said, hey, next time something happens, could you do this, this, and this? And we'd love to be there. And unfortunately, within just a few months, something did happen. And they did this, this, and this, and we weren't there. We didn't call. In moments like that, when I, when I look over that, my heart breaks because there were opportunities that we, we missed. And what do we do? What do we do? When we miss the mark, it's the same thing that you do. We repent, we apologize, and then we grow. Because the truth is there's no such thing as a perfect church. If there happened to be a perfect church and you showed up at it, you are so dramatically flawed like me that when you show up, that perfect church becomes imperfect. Rule number two, we're not the perfect church. Rule number three, we're not married to the methods. This frustrates some of you because you show up going, why don't we do this the way we used to do it? You know, I remember when we used to do that. That was so awesome. I, why don't we do that? We're not married to the methods. The methods we used to do ministry are always up for debate. And they're up for debate because we're going to evaluate their effectiveness. Are they actually doing what we need them to do? The what, our vision, the why, our values, the how, our culture, those are not up for debate. But when it comes to methods, we're still learning. Truth is, there was no class in Bible school about how to lead through a pandemic. There was no playbook. We were making it up as we went along. And at the same time, I mean, how do you deal with such a divisive culture? If you look at the world that we live in, it's almost like the only thing that's consistent is change. So in a world that's only consistent in its change, we're going to need to be willing to change and grow. We're not married to the methods. And rule number four, we can't do this alone. We can't do this alone. I learned this early on. In some very fun ways. 
I remember th there's like a love-hate relationship with this stage. If you've ever been in here when we're unloading this thing, it's heavy, it's cumbersome, it's not fun, okay? But I found this, we were visiting a church and they had a really nice stage. It was very durable. And so I went, I contacted the company. We want that stage, this configuration. That's great, we're gonna send it. Where do you wanna send it to? I want you to send it to the theater. They gave me the date. I was so excited. Their mail, it's like the middle of the summer, right? It's getting there today. And so I get the call. Hey, the stage is here. We need you to come meet us at the, okay. I'm on my way, I'm on my way. So I come, there's literally an 18-wheeler outside with the stage, Blocking traffic. I'm like, all right, man, we got to get this off here quick. It goes in here. He's like, okay, good. I'll open the door for you. You got to get it off. What? What do you mean I got to? What do you? You're the delivery driver. That's your job, buddy. No, I'm legally, I'm not allowed to touch the cargo. I just deliver it. It's just me. Do you know how much that thing weighs? Dear God. And I call people. I'm in like nice clothes. I'm sweating through everything. Hey, can you like take 15 minutes from work and come over and help me get this stage? I hated it that day. It's been a love-hate relationship since then. But I learned. You can't do it on your own. A God-sized vision is always bigger than you. If you can do it by yourself, I want you to know up front, you're not living in God's best. So can I just stop and say something that needs to be said in this space? Thank you. Thank you to every person in this room and the people who are not in this room who have served to make this happen. We can't do this alone. I started thinking about the rules, those four rules. I started realizing that a lot like a kid that grows up in a traumatic abusive home. It's really easy to define what you want for the future by the negative. Well, I, I don't want what they had. I don't want that. Instead of defining it with the positive, this is what I want. So today, as we step into the next 10 years, I want to get a little bit more positive and give you the new rules. The new rules. Number one. Rule number one. Jesus is our only hero. Jesus is our hero. I, I need to repent for where I was 10 years ago. Okay, when I said, I don't want my name to be known, but I'd love it if our church... Can I just say this today? I want the name of Jesus to be known in our city, in our county, in central North Carolina. If nobody knows Vortex Church, I'm fine with that. If we make the name of Jesus known, we win. Okay? Jesus is our only hero. Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is talking about his calling to the church as he writes this letter to a church he's never been to. Now, I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. To be honest with you. I identify with where he's coming from. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now notice what he says next. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to what? What's his calling? To present to you the word of God in its fullness. Still my calling to you. All right? 
The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. This is profound, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The God who walked with Adam and Eve now lives in me. Leave it to the God of the universe to draw nearer to us after sin than he was before it. But notice what he says right next. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature. Did you notice that? Did you notice what he just said? Did you notice it? Jesus is the one. Jesus is the hero. And the truth is, is that that's what we're going to do from now until God stops me from breathing. We're going to proclaim Jesus. He is the hero. Rule number two. We are a church that's being perfected. Which means that we are growing. It's not an excuse that we're not perfect, we don't get everything right. That's not an excuse. We can grow, we can learn. We want to make progress. Look at this. We are focused on progress, not perfection, but the goal of our progress is the only perfect one, Jesus. So when we make progress, we're getting closer and closer and closer to perfection. We are being perfected. Hebrews 10 says it this way, for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Present perfect, are being made holy. That's who we are today. We are in the process of being perfected. There's something good here. Please listen to what I'm about to say. God's not done. He's not done with us. His visions and dreams did not stop today. The best is yet to come, church. The best is yet to come. Rule number two, we are a church that's being perfected. Rule number three, our message will never change. Our message will never change. Our methods will change. And that will, at times, provide tension because we naturally want things to stay the same. But our message, the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God will not. First Peter chapter one, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. We as a church will continue to be guided by and declare the word of God. Don't let it shock you because every Sunday you come in here, we're going to preach the Bible and we're going to talk about Jesus. Our message is not going to change, but our methods will. And then number four, we need each other. We need each other. We weren't made to do this alone. We were made to live in redemptive community. It's not a solo endeavor. It's as if if you interpret Genesis 2 as a letter to us, in Genesis 2, God looks on Adam, and it's as if he's saying it to you. It's not good for you to be alone. 
We are truly stronger together. We're stronger with the right friends. And we're stronger with a vibrant relationship with God. I want to just stop here and say thank you. There are some people in the room who are a part of a group of about 50 that were on our launch team. It's a group of people who said, we'll serve. We don't even know what this is going to be like, but we'll be there to serve and help get it started. If you are a part of our launch team, would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? Would you all give it up for them? Isn't that awesome? And today, there's another group of people that in all honesty, they have given so much disproportionately to what they ever would receive in the form of a salary, and that would be our staff. Our staff serves at such a high level. We are so blessed by them. If you're on our staff, would you raise your hand? How about y'all give up a hand for them? Man, we're so blessed. We need each other. So here's where we're at today. I'm issuing a call to strengthen the foundation. To strengthen the foundations. Over the past few years, we all in our personal life, in our relationships, and even here in our church, we have watched some things come crumbling down because they weren't built on the right foundation. We have more clarity we have more insight. In 10 years in, we have a lot more to give. I want for you the same thing that I wanted for every person who walked into this room on the very first day. I want your life to be centered on Jesus Christ. I want him to be the center of your friendships, the center of your family, the center of your finances. And the honest truth is that for so many of us, the problems we encounter in life are because we've taken a good thing and we've tried to make it a central thing. And it just doesn't work out that way. You break it. Some of us are in the process of breaking our kids because we've made them the center of our lives. You'll break your marriage if you try to make it the center of your life. The only thing strong enough to stay there and to give life to you is Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.